Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Male Plus, in association with Boots. Hurrah! Boots! <laughs> ah, Boots! <laughs> I'm joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who is not ill. No, I'm not. I am ill. I know, and I have just been to Boots and for you. Imogen has bought me, dear listener, she's mm. bought me a packet of Nurofen Colin Flu ibuprofen oh, it with is. something called pseudo something or other pseudo science pseudo <laughs> pseudo thing it, it is God's it is mm. God's gift apparently you had to sign a waiver yes that I wasn't a drug addict no I just had to prove to the woman I was only allowed by one packet that's how good it is <laughs> dear listener yes well I shall be taking some of that later but if I if you hear me coughing unattractively mm. that's the problem yeah or attractively no no not attractively you can, can you cough attractively I don't know if you can <laughs> But anyway, you need those because they're brilliant. Yes. They're brilliant. So we're joined now by the fabulous Tina Goodwin, with mm-hmm. whom I used to work at the Times, and who was always very, very brilliant and very well dressed. Oh, re- well dressed. And she used to turn mm. up looking super, while I would turn up looking obviously crap. Mm. And Tina's an amazing person because she founded Tri Yoga. That's very cool. It's which, around the corner from me. Which is a it's very, very cool, cool thing. Very cool. And then after the, after she'd done that, because obviously finding tri-yoga wasn't enough, no. she went and founded a thing called Road Sense. Oh, Which is that? posh magic trees. Oh. Yes, I buy them. They're brilliant. Oh my God, how delicious. Anyway, she's written this brilliant book, Good. which I've really enjoyed, about Rain Spencer. Yes. Acid Rain, as she was known. She was mm. the daughter of Barbara Cartland and mm. stepmother to Diana Princess Wales. Mm. It's a really good book. It's full of gossip. It it's very gossipy. Yeah. It's full of gossip and hilarious pictures of people and dresses covered in pom-poms. Anyway, so we're joined now by <laughs> Tina, who is author of Three Times, a Countess. Tina, hello. Hello, Viney. Hello, Imogen. Thank hello. you so much for having me on the show. Viney was my school name at oh. the Times, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, because we, were, we yes. all called each other by surnames well, at the right Times, because it? it is like a big yes. private school. It's very, it's so very it's like, private so school. Go to Anne. Have you finished writing that piece yet? <laughs> no, Viney, not yet. <laughs> Anyway, you've finished writing a brilliant book, that's anyway, for sure. I, I love Thank this you. book. I, I honestly never thought I would enjoy a book about Rain Spencer because I've never thought that's somebody I want to know about. Mm. But then I got sent your book and it was just, it's just hilariously funny. The anecdotes are just mm. brilliant, Tina. Where did you get them all yes. from? Yes. First of all, she was an amazing woman. And I came across her originally when I was at Tatler, mm. when I was much, much younger. Mm. And she came into a room and silenced the room with Johnny Spencer behind her. And I went back and asked the social editor at the time at Tatler all about Rain. And he actually said to me, the most interesting thing about her is the things you won't know about her and the things that she did long before she met Johnny Spencer. Mm. So that got me going on this and I've kind of lived with that thought for a, a very long time too long to admit to but I went back and sort of combed through her history and luckily for me found a lot of people who were very very happy to speak about her because although she had a reputation as being acid rain she had very very many fans hmm. so how do you begin to unpick somebody as complicated as that where do you start well you know I went back to the beginning there's a because, of course, her mother was the fantastic Barbara Cartland. Mm. So one cannot write about Rain without speaking and investigating much about Barbara Cartland. Rain was really sort of Barbara's almost greatest work, wasn't she? Wasn't she? I mean, she was a sort of, she shaped her, didn't she? She really shaped her. Yes. She was almost like a character from one of Barbara Cartland's novels. And if anyone's read any Barbara Cartland novels, they will know that there's always a heroine who's always been wronged by a blackguard 
and then saved by a lovely titled gentleman. <laughs> so Rain was, in a sense, the sort of epitome of a Cartland heroine, as mm. she would have said. I'm sure we can't say heroine now. We probably have to say hero. But anyway, mm. she was a true Cartland heroine, if you like. Right. And who was her father? Well, this is a complicated story, but but her father was someone <laughs> um, thought to be someone called Sachi, and Barbara had married him very, very young. She then divorced him in a scandal and married his cousin, Hugh of Corkadale. Mm. So Hugh was her stepfather and ostensibly brought her up. But there was always a rumour that she was actually the daughter of Prince George, the late Duke of Kent. I'm talking about Rain now. Mm. So Barbara Cartland always claimed that actually Rain's father was the Duke of Kent rather than and Sachin I didn't realise Barbara got around quite well, so much. Exactly. She Barbara was, as she caused an enormous scandal, a society scandal, by getting divorced at a time when absolutely nobody got divorced. Mm. She went to my school, by the way, Malvern Girls College. They would have been horrified by yes, such a divorce. Did. Yes, Yes. Yes, she did. Yeah. Yes, she did. And and she was alleged, well, her husband was unfaithful to her, but she was then, of course, or she had to be caught in a compromising position mm. with a photographer, etc., to enable her to get divorced. Wow. Um, so the butler reported that he'd seen her husband's cousin sitting on the bed with her. So that was considered scandalous at the time. Good so grief. that is the reason that she got divorced in the first place. None of that seemed to affect Rain's entry into society, which was, you know, you'd have thought that there would be mm. a little bit of stigma attached to the fact that she may or may not have had three different True. fathers. Yeah. But she didn't. She just sort of sailed in, didn't she? She was, And she was on the front page of Tatler. She was the debutante of the year. And there are some fantastic yes, pictures in your book of her wearing sort of absurd kind of <laughs> dresses made out of girls. Winter halter dresses, yes, yes. I think her mother actually admitted that one of the dresses had been based on a winter halter picture. And also she was thinking, I think, a lot of Scarlet O'Hara mm, in mm, her <laughs> when she dressed Rain. And she also she positioned Rain very much as a debutante. Whereas, in fact, she, she really, technically speaking, should not have been a debutante because she didn't come from a title background. Mm, exactly. So it was much, it was, there was a lot of fiction around brain, really. But she made up for that by being a countess three times. Mm. <laughs> certainly did. So how did, certainly did. how did all that come about? Well, I think, first of all, she was positioned by her mother into marrying a wonderful man called Gerald Legg, the Honourable Gerald Legg but then went on to be Lord Lewish. Mm -hmm. uh, so she first of all married him. Then she met and fell in love with Johnny Spencer. Mm -hmm. What happened to uh, poor old the, Gerald then? Well, Gerald eventually divorced her. Oh, oh. Uh, This is 1975. So oh, okay. she divorced Gerald in 1975, having met and fallen in love with Johnny Spencer, Diana's okay. father, mm. at right. a lunch party. Oh, and her perspective, as you do, mm. and her perspective was that, like one of Barbara Cartland's heroines, she'd fallen in love and there was nothing she could do about it. <gasps> oh, what so fun. I'd love to do that. Gerald, <laughs> yes, Gerald thought that he should divorce her, obviously, and, mm. and quite rightly so, I think, because uh, she was very publicly with Johnny Spencer from almost from the day they met. Gosh. So was it um, a very sexual relationship? Oh, I think we could Sarah. safely say that... <laughs> 
Look, I think Rain was quite honest about, and I think all of Rain's friends and confidants would admit to the fact that she liked men, oh. she liked sex. So mm. the answer to that, the short and the long answer is yes. Well, like her mother. Yes. I mean, yes. they all sound, really. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm surprised because you just don't think of these sort of rather sort of pink, flouncy women. Going who, like a barn door in get, the wind. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I quite, I, I sort of, all credit to them, you know, it's great. And I, you know, on you go yes. yes and I think she was very open about it too you know she was very and and there are tales in my book one in particular of her and Johnny stopping the chauffeur outside a motorway mm. hotel and uh, nipping inside wow it was the 70s though things like wow. they were very sort of fasc- yes they were very fascinated by each other and I do think that you know all joking aside uh, they were very much in love well she certainly sounds like she was an awful lot of fun mm. what strikes me about her is that she wasn't particularly pretty no she was sort of okay looking mm. but she was obviously just very charismatic and very charming and her mother had obviously given her a lot of those skills mm. I mean, she might have spent a lot of money at the hairdressers, she, though. Yeah, she was. That, she, that but, special but hair. She sort of, she sort of, she sort of reads a bit like a sort of old-fashioned trained courtesan. Mm. Yes. Yes, she she does rather, and she did take a lot of cues from her mother in terms of always looking immaculate. Her mm. hair was always immaculate, and actually, I think a lot of people, certainly people I talked to, men from the time, did find her. A, fascinating, and B, uh, very, very attractive. Mm. But of course, I think it was, as you said, very much like her mother, or she was schooled by her mother, into making the man the object of her attention Mm. and making him think that he was the most important, fascinating man in the room. And in fact, Julian Fellows, who I interviewed, who's a great friend of Rain's, said that very thing, that when you were with her, you did feel that you were the only person she ever wanted to listen to. That's a, that's so an incredible skill. skill. But what's so interesting about her is that she was by far she had all of that, and she very much behaved in that way. But she was also very independent-minded and also a counsellor. I mean, you know, in terms of sort of her activities, she was very political, wasn't she? She got elected quite exactly. early on. So she exactly, was, and I was I was going to say that you know, for all of this sort of gloss and glamour, she really did want to do something. Um, she was determined that she would go and do something useful. And in fact, she was the youngest ever councillor for Westminster. Exactly. She was elected onto the council aged 24. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive, isn't it? So so why did Diana dislike her so much? Why did they... Is it the classic stepmother scenario? Was there a real reason for them to not get on? Well, I think it was very much that. I think you're completely right, Imogen, in that she came into their lives at a time when they were all very wounded by the loss of their mother, mm. um, which was actually quite a complicated story, a lot more complicated than it's it's sort of publicly made out to be. Oh, do tell. And I yes. think that Frances, Diana's mother, was known as the bolter mm. in the press for having left the children and left Johnny. But in fact, I think what really happened was she left the marital home because she couldn't stay there for various reasons and intended to go back for the children, but Johnny fought her on the custody of the children. And in fact, her own mother, Lady Fermoy, stood up in court and said that Frances, Diana's mother, was an unfit mother and that the children should stay with Johnny. So I think that the children had a terribly torrid childhood, and Mm. I think then this dynamo swept into their lives, sort of larger than life, Mm. and started to make a lot of alterations at Mm. Hawthorne, the family Mm. home. Yes. And also 
commanded the entire attention of their father. Mm. And, and actually, particularly Diana, had been used to being the sort of apple of her father's eye. And I think all the children were very upset and their noses were put very out of joint by this. I mean, you can understand it, really. Mm, mm. And, um, and didn't, didn't, so, she sort of, didn't she also chintz the house? Didn't she make it quite vulgar with lots of sort of swagging and throwbacks? Well, and I think, yes, and... I, I mean, that's a, that's a matter, obviously a matter of opinion. Mm. Um, but she definitely, definitely renovated, went in and renovated the house, which was falling apart. And a lot of people credit her with, saving all thought really and making it a going concern putting mm. in a gift shop attracting publicity and visitors so there are two sides to that argument as well and i would say that she is the epitome of a woman who's been dealt with negatively by an overwhelmingly male press mm. throughout or she was throughout her life but also do you think there was a bit of snobbery towards her as well because i mean most mm. definitely the spencers have always considered themselves to be even posher than the queen they have too yes do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. they, yes they certainly have. And that, yes, there is, of course, the saying that there's more blue blood in their family than there is in, in the Windsor family. Mm. So certainly, and I think that there are a lot of sectors of, of that level of society that were quite anti-reign. Actually, it was it was uh, ostensibly snobbery. Well, they would have seen her as a entirely. social climber because they would have seen that she basically didn't really, she shouldn't really have been a debutante. Mm. The only reason she got through the net was because... Of her pushy mother. Well, because of her pushy mother and also it was post-war, so there weren't an awful lot of them yes. around, yes. presumably. And she's a bit of a Becky Sharp a, character. Yeah, exactly. Mm. A bit of, and also, yeah, she's very much a Becky Sharp character, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And just because I like to, you know, top and tail things, who was the last gentleman oh, Indeed, yes. So she met and so first of all, um, Johnny Spencer died very sadly, which most people know in 1992 of pneumonia. Mm. And she was unceremoniously evicted from Althorpe House within 24 hours. Wow. And she retired to Farm Street, which was the house that Johnny had bought for her Mm. in Chelsea. Mm. And she recovered quite quickly, actually, because as a friend of hers called Michael Cole, says of her she never looked backwards Mm. she always wanted to look forward so while she was deeply saddened and actually very very distressed by the the death of Johnny she decided you know that she still wanted to live life and Johnny had made her promise that she would do that he'd he'd often said she'd be a terrible widow Mm. so within a year (laughs) she was engaged to Jean-Francois de Chambrun a French count this time Mm. Um, and she married him and became Comtesse de Champagne. Gosh, so, he sounds right up my street. Uh, was he very attractive? Yes, <laughs> he was very... Well, yes, he was rather attractive. Yes, he sounds very attractive. And, and he was quite a lot younger than oh, her as well. Oh, well, go rain. So um, he, he looked like quite a catch, actually. Mm. Um, they were madly in love, mm. so they claimed, and went off to live in his chateau in the south of France. But sadly, it didn't last. Mm. So by 19, I think it was 1996, she was she was back in Britain and they were divorced. So she was back living again in Farm Street and then telling friends that she couldn't see that she would marry again. Mm. And and she didn't know that she'd find love again. But but she came back to Britain really to be with her friends, I think. But Mm. what's so wonderful about her story is that it it does sort of span a really fascinating period Mm. in British social history, doesn't it? Indeed, yeah. An awful lot of change. And Mm. that's reflected very well in the book, I think. Mm. Yes, it really does. And I mean, she was evacuated to Canada, as so many fashionable upper-class children were Mm. uh, during the war. 
and then eventually was reconciled with the Princess of Wales and, and finally went on to give evidence at her inquest. Gosh, did you? So it, it's, a, it's a sort of whole historical arc, really. But it's almost like she took on the establishment and actually then won. You're right. I think um, she always did her things in her own way. And certainly she had the same motto as the Queen, which was never complain, never explain. Mm. But in the end, I think that most people were won over by her, certainly by her sort of final public performance at the inquest mm. of Diana, Princess of Wales. Yeah. And she died soon after that, didn't she? Yes. Well, she died in 2016. But after 2008, really, she... <laughs> She had a job. Her final job was at Harrods. <laughs> and they used to call her the Till Girl with a title. <laughs> and Muhammad Al-Fayed was introduced to her by Diana, who actually suggested that he give Rain a job. And she duly went to work at Harrods. Actually, she was eventually a director, but she was very, very happy and often could be found on the till <laughs> during the sale. With the same hairdo? She had the same hairdo right up until she got unwell in 2014. And, and in fact, the reason that a lot of her friends figured out that she was unwell was because she no longer had her hairdo. Oh. She was the end of her life. But until then, oh. she had this enormous bouffant. Yes. Who was her hairdresser, do you know? Or was it the same person all the way through? Yes, yes. Um, he, is, he is in the book mm. and he was her famously also her confidant, really, and knew a lot of, well, knew actually all of her secrets, some of which he didn't want to divulge and didn't want me to write about. Oh, so you interviewed him then? Yes, yes, I did interview him. Oh, what a treat. Hairdressers always know the they secrets, do know everything, don't they? Don't they? Yes. Hairdressers are the ones to <laughs> yes. interview if you're yes. doing a biography of yes. someone. Yes, yes. And who else did you find? People like Geoffrey Archer. mm He's a fabulous old charmer, isn't he? Mm. He's fantastic. He mm. tells amazing stories. Yeah. He's really charming. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't have been more helpful. Julian Fellows was another person mm. who really took an interest yeah. in the oh, book. That's and lovely. was was a very good friend of Rain's. Mm. And mm. Uh, Roy Strong, who Gosh. ran... What a gang. you've had a lot of fun. What a gang, yes. What a load of old gents you've been into. And also, Tina, was there a sort of feeling amongst all of them that they wanted to put the record straight a bit and they wanted to big up their friend rather than... Had you done it 15 years ago, maybe you wouldn't have got such a positive reaction from the people you were talking to. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think she has a lot of friends who have been reticent about talking about her. And in fact, her family still didn't want to talk about her because they felt that there'd been such negative publicity about her. Mm. Um, but when I approached people, they were really happy mm. um, to set the record straight. And they felt that she'd been really kind of undermined by the press, mm. by the British establishment, and, and actually treated really rather rather shabbily mm. throughout. Mm. I think it would make a fantastic mini-series. Yes. I just think it would be brilliant. Yeah. But if there's yes. often the people who aren't, Hello, aren't at the epicentre... Yes, who, that's the thing. Who she's not the... quite at the epicentre, yeah. and yeah. that's what makes us so interesting, because being on the periphery exactly. is almost more fun than being the central character. Yes, and and I think you're right about that. And I think the, the the thing which actually people have missed when, and I've had some really lovely reviews for the book for which I'm enormously grateful, but the thing that people seem to have missed is that 
the person who knew most about Diana's mind and her heart at the time she died mm. was Rain. Mm. There's no question in my mind about that. And she really did go to her grave knowing really what Diana had thought. Was Diana pregnant? You know, what mm. were her plans going forward? She is the person who knew that. Despite everyone else saying they knew, Rain definitely knew. See what I mean. And mm. she never divulged. She never told. Never. Mm. Never. Mm. Never. Did she keep a diary at all, Tina? Was there any actual yes. sort of first-hand well, that, stuff? <laughs> yes. And that's indeed where I started because right. I met uh, quite by chance a friend of her son's who told me that Rain kept everything in scrapbooks. And oh. There was a massive pile of scrapbooks. Yes. I, I, when I read the book, I was sad there weren't more pictures. Mm. I, yeah, I just wanted more pictures. Yes, I know, and I tried to access them. And at one point I thought I might get them, but, mm. but I think probably quite rightly the family mm. want to keep their hands on them mm. and don't want them to become public. Mm. But yes, she absolutely collected everything. Gosh, how so fascinating. Oh, how somewhere. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or copy-dexed in to some sort of... Yes. Well, well, I'm sure... She, well, I might add, I'm sure she didn't copy-dext them in herself. <laughs> that's true, yes. <laughs> That'll be the butler's job. <laughs> that would be another lesson, yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, Tina, are you doing another... Have you found another fabulously mm -hmm. posh lady to write a book about? Please tell well, me. Well, uh, is she fabulously posh? I don't know if she's fabulously posh, but yes, I have started researching another lady. Who, 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 um, who? I'm going to specialise in difficult women. Oh, good. And I'm, Excellent. I'm not sure you'll advise me. I'm not so sure you're going to approve of my next subject. Oh. And you may not want to have me back on the show. Okay, no, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> it is a feminist take on Margaret Thatcher. Oh, oh no, no. I no, oh, no, 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 no. No, that's brilliant. No, no, because, because oh, I once good. wrote a piece saying like that Margaret idea. Thatcher was a feminist. Oh. In fact, I've written several people pieces yes. saying that Did she you? was a feminist. Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, could you forward them to me, please? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll Google them for yeah, you. She certainly had a hairdresser. <laughs> she certainly had a hairdresser. Yes, yeah, she certainly did. I yes. think you're right. I think yes. you're absolutely right. I think, But again, she still had that thing of making men feel that they were important. Mm. But I think that was a function of her time because you couldn't do anything as a woman until about probably about 15 years ago, unless you made the men in the room feel that they were also important. That's true. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. you had to be both courtesan. I agree. You had to be both mm. courtesan and feminist. And yes. it's quite a difficult combination to pull off. Yes. You know, because you I think it was incredibly difficult, yeah. And I think for someone like Thatcher, you know, people young... The reason I want to write this book is that when you say to young women in particular, when you mention Thatcher, they go, oh, she was terrible. Mm. And you say, well, why? And first of all, they don't really have an answer. No. But secondly, I just don't think they understand the environment within which she was operating. No. And if anyone actually cracked or broke the glass ceiling and proved that a woman mm. could actually do it, it was Thatcher. Mm. I mean, there are some similarities, actually, between her and Rain. Um, this is true. No, but, I was going to work apart from the hair, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, the hair. Aside from the hair. And the terrible dress sense. L net addiction. And the L net addiction and the terrible dress But it's that Cheryl Sandberg thing of leaning in, isn't it? That you can achieve more if you're in the room. And sometimes you have to do things Indeed. to be in the room that aren't necessarily what you would choose to do, but they get you in the room and therefore they give you an agency that you wouldn't otherwise have. And I think that's really hard for young girls today to understand because they just think, 
oh, you know, I'm entitled to be there. Mm. And actually, n- my Indeed. generation, your generation, our generation didn't feel entitled to be there. I mean, a number of times I sat in a conference room and said something and then literally three minutes later, a man has said it and everyone's gone, oh, yeah, no, no, definitely. Yes. That's, no, that's really clever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I said that three minutes ago and you all ignored me. I know. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the pitch of your voice. It's like you're speaking whale it, and they oh, can't hear you. I'm just going, oh, exactly, exactly. Like that. Yes, <laughs> literally. The timbre no, I think that's, is too I think, listen, I think that's absolutely true. And I also think that, you know, with someone like Thatcher, she would often invite the men into her kitchen mm. at number 10. Oh, did she? To, yes, because she didn't know another when she would cook for them, which I was first of all appalled by. And then mm. someone suggested to me, but actually that's how she would, she had to yeah. sell her proposition that mm. way because it was the only way they kind of knew of relating to her and then they ended up thinking she was mummy mm. and actually agreeing with her. Mm. So, mm. so you know, there were lots of mechanisms that had to, I mean, to I be think, in play I then. Think, I think the relationship of the Tory party with Margaret Thatcher is fascinating yes. because it is yeah. part mother, part sort of object of sexual dominatrix. desire. Dominatrix. Yeah. It was the Mitterrand line about her having the eyes of Caligula and the mouth of <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, which yeah. I always thought yeah. was just it absolutely exemplified her. But it does exemplify the sort of second wave feminist, that we, mm. the way we had to be both seductors and sort of nannies mm. to the men in our careers. Completely. And may I add that most of the biographies that have been written on Thatcher have been written A, by men, mm. and B, by men who were Adore very critical. Her. Oh. <laughs> they, well, first of all, but they were very critical of her sort of a belligerent stance, mm. but very appreciative of her maternal stance. Yeah. And, you know, mm. what does that tell you? But you're mm. right, they, men did adore her, and actually men did find her incredibly attractive, which mm. we may look back on now and think, huh, how, you know, how did that happen? But if you read any of the, the pieces written at the time, there was a sort of grudging admiration, which we probably mm. wouldn't like now and probably wouldn't be allowed, mm. in inverted commas, a, a grudging admiration of the, of the fact that she looked the way she did, but she could yet she could also command the respect of world leaders. Absolutely. And so, I, mean, the, I mean, the main charge against Thatcher on the feminist front is that she only ever had one woman in her cabinet, mm. I think. But the thing is, there weren't any women to have in your cabinet, mm. really. No, there really weren't. And and also, I think people underestimate what she was dealing with. When mm. you look at that cabinet, that bunch of old Etonians mm. that she had to keep in line, mm. it's no wonder that she didn't have a minute to do anything other than try and sort of watch her own back and mm. push forward with her policies. Mm. And people also criticised her for not, I think she turned down childcare, funded childcare. I think she was the first person to turn that down when it first came up. Mm. But but there was a reason for that, you know, because she also felt very strongly that women should be there on their own merits. Mm, mm. And while she didn't completely appreciate or maybe uh, sort of encompass the whole sort of maternal, the view of women in business and things like that, I do think that she had, maybe I shouldn't say a point, but I, do, I can see her perspective on it. Certainly. No, no, that, I think you're right. In I think those early years. Yeah, I mean, there was the sort of business of her cancelling the free milk. I remember getting the free milk at school. Do you, Matt? Yes, so do I. I used to love it. I used to look forward to the milk. It was all... And also, I was all the other children who wouldn't drink the milk, I would drink their milk for them. <laughs> I was that child. <laughs> but equally, you know, just think of the abuse that she suffered at that. I mean, we're always talking about abuse now, but... 
I was listening to a recording of someone commenting on the fact that she was pursued across campus by male students saying, get her knickers off. Yeah. What? The milk snatcher. Yeah. Extraordinary. And, you know, the stuff that we don't take into account now that mm. we, well, actually, I think the stuff that young women now don't know about Thatcher mm. and mm. can't possibly appreciate about the stuff that she went through, which has helped us all. And particularly, you know, young women today. I mean, she... They have a lot to thank Margaret Thatcher for. I'm sure they wouldn't see it that way. No, no, I mean, but they I all stand. We're all standing on the shoulders of women like yes, Thatcher. Yes, but, but everyone always thinks that are. you know they're the first person to be doing this. Do you know, what mm. I mean, they're, you know, we didn't need a, you lot behind us. You know, mm. that that is what everyone's. All those, I would have you know, quite enjoyed Margaret Thatcher's Twitter account, though. <laughs> oh yes, that would have yes, been brilliant. Totally. Yes, <laughs> I, sh- I don't think she would have bothered. Do you think her handle would have been at Iron Lady? <laughs> I don't think she'd have well, bothered. Might have, been at, might have been at handbag, but oh, that would but have been either way, yes. yeah. But I think Imogen, you might be right. I think, and I was thinking about Rain this morning. I was thinking, would Rain have bothered with Twitter? And I no. don't think she would. I think she would have thought it's a load of nonsense, a waste of time. No, mm. no. Will you come and do Thatcher when you finish yes, doing Thatcher? Yes, I certainly will. Mm. It would be my great pleasure. Thank you so much. Lovely Brilliant. to be in the room with you. Thank oh, you, Gina. thank you. Bye. Bye. From contraception to treating cystitis to menopausal changes, women's health is something you always need to keep an eye on. Boots Online Doctor can help you with that. You don't need an appointment. You can just head to the website to find advice and access to prescription treatment, if appropriate, right at your fingertips. For more information, visit boots.com slash online doctor. Boots with you for life. T's and C's. Access to treatment is subject to an online consultation with a clinician to assess suitability. Subject to availability, charges apply. After just 44 days, the country has again got a new leader. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Following the resignation of Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak has now taken the reins. But we thought... In the interest of intelligent political commentary, which yes, of which we are well known, for which we are well known, (laughs) it is often said. We thought we'd see what the stars had to say about Rishi. (laughs) Dishy Rishi in the stars. Dishy Rishi in the stars. So we're joined by our resident astrologer and political commentator, (laughs) Teresa Chung. We live in a, in such strange time, mm. you know. This, this is not the strangest thing that could happen. I talking know, about totally, it in this way. absolutely. And now he's a Scorpio, is he? He's also awfully young. No, no, no. He's a he's a Taurus. Taurus. Oh. Is he's he? Of May. Oh well, oh, that's okay. all right then. If he's a Taurus, because they're very sensible. Also, it very could... good with money. Well, the issue is, because the trouble with Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak is that I know their sun sign, but I don't have their exact time of birth, which oh. for an astrologer, you need the exact time. And that's the issue with Liz Truss. So all you can do, like with the Liz Truss thing, when we talk recently, I can talk about what's going on with Leos. Yeah. But what I see here in the political arena at the moment is such an advertisement for the power of astrology as a psychological self-help tool. And when we had Boris, Hmm. The charismatic, communicative, flexible with the truth, Gemini. That's classic to the sign. Then we get Liz Truss, the firebrand, you know, who really kind of like just storms in, blazes everything up, and, and, and kind of like... Sets fire to everything and then leaves. Yeah. Self-emoliated, <laughs> actually. She, she's like a, a lion. You don't see regret, do you? She's the lion, and it's okay. I mean, I don't know behind the scenes there, might be, but she's so classic Leo in that. It's, mm. You know, this is me, you know, that's how she is. And then we get Rishi coming in, the Taurus, the Earth sign. So what we've had, you've had air, we've had fire, 
Now we're mm. going to Earth. Wow. Big Earth, British wind, politics, and fire. Is, <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that 80s band. They were splendid. They were I very loved good. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. You two, this is important. What we're Sorry. missing in British politics is the water sign, oh, which is me. empathy. It's me. I'm yes. water. Yeah, well, I should just join. Shall I just knock on the door you and go higher? should hi, be uh? Prime Minister. Shall I just no, knock on the door and go higher? No, we need water because water mm. is empathy and intuition and being in tune with what people want. Now, earth, fire and air are... They're all important. Mm. But what we need now, and it's interesting because Nicola Sturgeon is a water sign. Oh. Being able to connect to the people in a bit better way. Speak to how people are feeling in a way. So that's interesting. But what we are missing, we need more empathy and intuition. Mm. Now, uh, being a Taurus, they are smart, ambitious, stable, trustworthy, logical, uh, grounded, you know, um, consistent, mm. patient. That's all the power of that sign. Mm. Highly observant and analytical, we're seeing that. Mm. The downside is he needs to find his own personal power, mm. right? He really needs to, he basically, he defines himself by what he does mm. rather than how he's feeling. You know, he needs to connect with the, the water. There needs mm. to be more water mm. intuition. Um, and what I love also is that Keir Starmer mm. is a Virgo, Earth. So mm. we're going to get the dullest debates between <laughs> these two because it's Earth and Earth, <laughs> right? Um, but mm. maybe that's what British politics needs now is this, this grounding uh, I stability. I think so. I, ah, think, I think grounding is key. I think we all need to be a bit may, grounded. May, may I? I'm so excited because there's the astrology here. Rishi's um, Saturn is in Virgo, right? That's what does karma. that mean? Oh. That's it's what he's got to learn. And Keir Starmer's a Virgo. So watch this space. Um, that's what I'm saying in the time ahead. But, you know, he, he's going to get his biggest lessons through his interactions with Keir Starmer and what happens with the next election. Mm. Looking ahead, 2022-2023 for Torians is, is no big wins, but no big failures. It's going to mm. be, we are going, I think, in a bit more stable time. Mm. But also, the way he came in, or was it the 25th of October with the solar eclipse in Scorpio? Mm. Mm. Wow. I mean, the solar eclipse was very powerful for him. It was also Diwali, wasn't it? And, mm, and yeah. what synchronicities there. Mm. I mean, he's, he has made history, hasn't he? Not mm. only for his age, but his culture, mm. his religion. He's 42. He's, mm, 42, he's yeah. 42, Gosh. bless him. Yeah, yeah 42. he's young, but he's surrounded himself by the old guard, so hopefully he's getting good advice. Mm. No, and, no, it's true. Um, and do you mm. think... Um, because Torians are famously good with money, aren't they? Because my daughter's a Taurus. And she's oh, yeah. so good with money. I mean, honestly, this is a girl who, at the age of 19, has already started her own pension. Oh, yes, she has. <laughs> Was she yeah. listening to Candace Bushnell on our I podcast? I don't know. I think she might have been, yes. But she's, you know, she, they are really good with money. I How wish I knew his rising sign and his moon sign and his Mars okay, and listen, all the other things. I'm going to I find it out for you. Okay. I, I'm going to use <laughs> no, no, my... I like his time of birth. Like, use your connections. Use I'm your connections. Yeah, yeah, that would... That would be really helpful. Yeah. But yes. in general, you know, it's kind of probably what the country needs right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boring politics. Not, boring not, politics. not so much kinder politics yeah. as boring, more boring T Teresa, politics. Teresa, talking of boring, can I ask you a mm -hmm. question? So, so Prince Harry has got his mm -hmm. new book coming out called Spare on the 10th of January, which apparently, according to everybody who knows, is Mercury retrograde. 
Yes. So also, what does that I'm mean? going to hate to say this about mm. mercury retrograde. Well, mercury means communication, lots of miscommunication, Ooh, lots dear. of aggro. But Ooh. also, I'm a bit concerned because Charles, is, you know, he should he should have a royal astrologer, you know, yeah. put in a word for me because he's put his coronation in a mercury retrograde as well. So I'm wondering if there might be cancellations or delays there. You know, it, it's, it's the I mean, sixth of May, retrograde. isn't it? The sixth mm. of May. He's I, I think that's before. another retrograde of, of, of dear old Mercury, where we have miscommunication mm. and not clear messaging. So mm. what may well happen with the tenth of January? Now you say this mm. is that Harry's intentions for the book aren't what the world sees. Oh, really? And, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, what we expect from the book isn't what. We get. But oh, there will be uh, some kind of miscommunication, yes. which could, you know, as I say, oh, let's always think positive. It could actually clear the air mm-hmm. and be great, but it could also go the other way. Right. <laughs> but didn't, didn't monarchs always have royal astrologers? I mean, you know, 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 that's where they're going they wrong, you see. Mm. Yeah, that's where they're going wrong. They need, <laughs> they need to plan their events by looking at the stars. But my goodness, it's almost like Rishi Sunak. Also, there were a lot, actually, of Indian astrologers that I saw that were saying... Early in the year, Rishi Sunak will be Prime Minister. No, really? And they stuck with that, yeah. I I had a look at that. It was fascinating because Indian astrology is slightly different. They have different signs. So that was really interesting. But you could not get a more starly aligned eclipse. Diwali, all this going on right yes. on the day it happened. Well, let's, wow. let's, let's hope he is the knight the in shining armour for us <clears throat> for all. The Tories, yes. He needs to learn tact. He needs to learn tact and mm. a sense of humour. Yes. But he's always going to be a mystery, Rishi. You know, there's something about tourists that's it's quite inscrutable. Mm. You never really, really get to know them. Mm. But maybe, you know, we're not going to have that. But as I said, the debates between him and Keir Starmer will not I think that's fine. I think we just need yes. boring, You can boring, put your snooze button on for that. Just put yours, exactly. <laughs> he's got my ex-husband in the cabinet who is mm. an uber Virgo. Mm. Yes, he's a very good... Oh, uh, right. Uber. Okay. Yeah. Of course, yes. So yes. that's yes. the teacher for him. Yes. He needs to yeah. go for, for the Virgo and qualities yes. of So that order, might be where the Virgo is coming mm. from because so my, Michael was, is a real proper... Absolutely. He is. Classic. Didn't he go in extra Precision. early for PMQs? He went in extra early for PMQs. Yes, to so brief him. The devil's yes. in the yesterday. details for the Virgo. Yes. Well, devil's in the details, and that's exactly what you know he needs to hear right mm. now. I think you know Liz Truss went tonight for the bigger picture, and the, you mm. know, you know, absolutely throwing caution to the wind, and mm. we're now hopefully going to mm. get some stability. Yes. We got the Earth there, but we do need we need some water signs. Can you find out who's a water sign in the cabinet? Uh, I think that to, yes, to, me to bring some empathy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> To bring some empathy and, and intuition, you know, a bit of a gut instinct, because mm. they specialise in that. They are so in tune and can see beneath, mm. see what lies beneath and see what the nation really, really is craving at the moment. Well, in that, thank you very much, Teresa. I'm sure you, that when Rishi too. listens to this, he will pay attention. Yes, I'm sure. And Absolutely. I'm maybe sure he tuned, should invite absolutely. you into his inner cabinet. And he should, yeah. You should yes. be... You I should think be... they need an undercover astrologer. I agree. <laughs> yeah, they definitely mm. do. It's not unknown. <laughs> As does Charlie with his coronation. Yes. Well, maybe you could yeah. do a two-for-one special deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, that was Teresa Chung, yeah. author of The Premonition Code and obviously political savant. Yes, indeed. <laughs> or just savant. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just laughing so much, I'm hiccuping. <laughs> if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. 
If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at WestminsterWag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edward-Stones. Thank you very much for listening.